Proverbs chapter 15, as we continue our verse-by-verse study in Proverbs. Don't forget, Sunday morning, we're going to continue. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand, and Pastor John will slip you a Bible. You can follow along with us. And on Sunday morning, we'll be continuing in Luke's gospel as uh, we see that Jesus is only about six months out from the cross. He's going to be up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and we're going to look at that story, that account, according to Luke, as Jesus was transfigured. And then they're going to come down from the mountain, and there they're going to meet a father who's heartbroken and concerned uh, about his son um, that uh, is demonized. And so there's a lot of lessons in that for us that we can take home because we know that Satan is working overtime uh, with our young people and um, the important lessons of bringing our children to Christ. And so we're going to talk about that on Sunday, 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock. Come join us. Bring somebody out. The Calvary Chapel, um, you know, pray about who you might bring so they can hear the word of God, hear the gospel message, have a message of hope, because there's a lot of hopelessness that's in this world. Uh, People are wondering, what do we do? How do we, you know, minister to our children? How do we minister to our grandchildren? How do we minister to the neighborhood kids? And, And Satan is working overtime on our kids. Do you realize by the time the service is over, about four teenagers have committed suicide in this nation. That there's about nearly two million homeless teenagers from the age of 12 to 17 right now living out on the streets. 75% of them are young girls. And usually a lot of them get picked up uh, for prostitution, um, to be used for that, for sex trafficking, um, that is growing tremendously in our nation. We know that two-thirds of, of um, teenagers in high school have used prescription drugs. And nearly three out of four high schoolers have abused alcohol in high school at one time in their lives. So it's really, really important that we be a ministry that is reaching out to this generation, to all generations. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And the gospel is for every culture, every generation, and our young people. And we need to be praying and continuing to reach out to them. And and I hope that we do that, that we have the privilege to be ministering at this time because I really believe that the Lord is going to be coming back soon, that this nation is in a mess, that this world is in a mess. And we have the opportunity to be able to share with them the only hope that there is, and that is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So um, we want to just remember that, and we wanted to reach out to others. You know, I know one of the kids that came to Christ, we were last week after service went to McDonald's, um, to get some french fries after Wednesday night service. And there were some kids in there, and we handed them some flyers on this BMX bike outreach. And they came, and one of them accepted Christ. I think maybe a couple of them did. It's that simple. Being sensitive to the leading of the Lord. And that's why when we say when you walk out these doors, you're entering into your mission field. To be able to have opportunity just to be, you know, sensitive to the leading of the Lord, to maybe reach out to somebody, to talk to somebody, to be able to, to minister to them, hand in a flyer or something, however the Lord might lead you. And it's wonderful when we live in that way that, Lord, that you do want to use me. 
It's not just up to the pastor or to the leaders or, you know, somebody who has the gift of evangelism. We're all called to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ when given opportunities to do that. And we can do it in very simple ways. And I think people will respond and and God will use us in very supernatural ways, naturally, giving a kid a flyer in the McDonald's as we're sensitive to the leading of the Lord. So I pray that we are ones that, that Lord, today, as we start our day with him, that I have opportunity to be a light and to share truth and to whoever it might be. Guys, if you're out in the field or at the office place or at your school, wherever it might be, and I know that the Lord honors that, being sensitive to his leading. That's what makes the Christian life so adventurous. And that's really what my desire is more and more um, as a pastor. Guys, I'm not interested in the laser lights and all of that. If others want to do it, that's fine. But I'm interested in giving truth to a city here, a county, Weld County, that most people don't know Christ. And they're hurting and they're feeling hopeless. And we get to be a light, this church here, to a community and others that are in this community given the love of Jesus Christ. So Proverbs chapter 15, Father, we ask that you would just bless this time in the teaching of your word. And we do have opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. And I, I thank you for that. And even tonight, as your word goes forth um, in this place and on live stream, uh, eventually it'll be on the radio, that, Lord, that your word would encourage and build up and, Lord, edify and instruct that we know that your word is true, given to us, that we may be equipped to live a godly life and a life of wisdom. So we thank you that we're here. Bless the kids that just all went upstairs. The children in the children's ministry, we have a privilege to minister to them and to to give them truth as well. So I pray nothing's taken away tonight from what you want to do. We be attentive and that we would be in our seats with our ears open, desiring to just learn from you and and to... Lord, receive from you and what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Proverbs chapter 15, we read, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so speak softly and you'll turn away wrath. And you've heard the saying that no one argues in a whisper. And as Proverbs is telling us that to speak softly, you know, uh, no one is uh, being contentious in a soft answer that they give to somebody else. So giving a soft answer to someone, turning away wrath, and then also a harsh word stirring up anger, that it's not just the words that we say, it's also the tone in which we say it, isn't it? And we can be combative, we can be loud, we can be argumentative. And what that does is it just creates more anger. It just creates wrath whenever we do that. So the Lord desires for us as Christians to give a soft answer and it turns away wrath. Um, If we're not speaking harsh words, and it doesn't mean that we can't bring rebuke or reproof or correction to anyone, but there's a right way to do it, isn't there? There's a way to do it in which we are desiring to really bring, you know, correction to them out of a motivation of love and ministering to them and desiring uh, for that individual to turn away from sin or turn away from that which will hurt them or what's been hurting you, whatever the case may be. 
but we are to answer with a soft answer. We are to be ones that we are to, to minister in that way and have real discernment in that and be one that is temperament, you know, or temperament being even keel and, and not just quick tempered all the time. So a soft answer turns away wrath and harsh words uh, will turn anger away because harsh uh, or harsh words stirs up anger. But just speaking softly and wisely to people And verse two goes along with this, that the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Uh, fools will say things without thinking. And we need to use knowledge and wisdom rightly. When Paul was writing to Timothy, some of the last words that he said to Timothy, he would say that a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. So a servant of the Lord, that's all of us, isn't it? That we're not to be quarreling, but gentle to all, able to teach and being patient and in humility. So when we come, part of a soft answer is going to be coming in humility, not in pride, not in arrogance, not I'm going to show you, I'm going to tear you down, I'm going to beat you up with my words and really get my digs in and, and tear you down as much as I can. But you're to be gentle, you're to be patient bring in that correction to them so repentance can come. So using real discernment again as we speak to others. It, it was Peter. You remember Peter in the garden when they arrested Jesus? And Peter pulled out his sword and he cut off the ear of Malchus, the servant of the high priest, and plop went down his ear. And Jesus picked Malchus's ear up and put it back on the side of his head. That was the last miracle Jesus did before his crucifixion. He healed that ear. And you see, the word of God is like a two-edged sword, the book of Hebrew tells us. And sometimes we can take that sword of the word and we can start chopping ears off. You see, the word of God is to pierce the heart of a person. But we can use it in a way where we start swinging it and even using scripture to where we're chopping ears off and hurting people. And so Peter put the sword away. And we're to use the knowledge of the Word of God with real discernment, and we're to use it rightly for edification, comfort, for exhortation, yes, and for correction, but doing it in a way where it's going to help that individual and it's going to bring them to that place of repentance is what our desire is. And then in verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So God sees everything. Sometimes we think that person seems to be getting away with, with what they're doing. They're not getting away with it. No one is getting away with anything. And as the book of Hebrews declares, that everything is open and naked before the Lord. He sees everything. And as we read this, he sees it all. He sees all evil. Now, we can see things on the news that really bother us, can't we? We watch the news and we, we watch the latest shooting, the latest you know, um, crime, what has happened, and it bothers us, doesn't it? Can you imagine being God, seeing every evil that takes place, everything in this world that grieves him, the sin, the, the, the you know, things that happen, 
the, the, the wickedness, the perversity that takes place. But I want to remind you, he also sees the good. And as he is keeping watch on the evil and the good, it blesses him and it refreshes him when he sees that you're doing right. When you're designed to live for him and to serve him as you are doing things in honor of the Lord and for the Lord, that he sees it. It refreshes him as we come into this place and as we worship. It's like a sweet smell and aroma to him, as the scripture says, our praises. That's why he inhabits the praises of his people. As we go through God's word, for him to be refreshed as, as we come together corporately and you individually, as you're living for him, as you're desiring to please him with your life, walking in the fear of the Lord that the Solomon's going to write about here in just a little bit. It pleases him as he sees that good. And in verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perversiveness in it breaks the spirit. Uh, our words are either going to build people up or they're going to tear down. And I hope and pray that we are ones that we want to build people up. We want to be like a tree of life. We want to edify. We want to help people. We want people to grow. We care about people. And it will show in the words that we speak and how we speak those words. And you see, I want to be one that I just chosen that I want to build people up. I don't want to just always be tearing down, getting my digs in. We live in a society, we live in a culture out there in the world. There's a lot of that that goes on, right? And as we come into this place, Calvary Chapel, may we speak to one another. We're, we're a tree of life, just refreshing and renewing and encouraging one another. Our kids need to be encouraged, moms and dads and grandparents, don't they? We need to encourage them. Yes, we need to bring correction to them as well. And we need to, to minister in that way. But we want to be encouraging to them, building them up. As, you know, Paul would write to uh, the Colossian believers, don't provoke them to anger. We are to be ones that as we build them up, we're encouraging them in the things of the Lord and how God is working in their lives. And may we encourage one another as well. Encourage those who are serving. Encourage those who are growing in the Lord. Give a word of encouragement. You know, a word of encouragement goes a long, long ways. Do you know that? And those of you who are raising kids and raising them in the ways of the Lord, and those of you who are serving the Lord in any capacity, you know how it is. You go for a while, and, and maybe there hasn't been a word of encouragement given to you, and you can start to get down. You start to get discouraged. You know, as a mom raising your kids, and, and I know that as we've raised four children, that it was really important for me to just give that word of encouragement to Sue. That, Sue, you're a wonderful mother, and you're a wonderful wife, and the Lord is pleased in what you're doing. And that would just build her up. And you know that to be true, don't you? To encourage one another for a supervisor, an employer, a boss, to encourage their workers. You're doing a good job. And one of the things that I do with the staff here is, is I always want to be thankful and, and, and express that to them, my appreciation for them. And the people here that serve in any capacity, because I know it encourages them and it builds them up. And it seems like that whenever I'm discouraged and I get to that place of, Lord, am I doing any good? 
Lord, am I, you know, um, you know, being effective in teaching the Word of God? All of a sudden, a note will come or an email will come to just give me some encouragement and, and just confirm and reaffirm in me that the Lord has me here and that His Word is working. And so servants need to be encouraged. We all need to be built up and encouraged. And may we do that with one another. And then in verse 5, a foolish despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. And that speaks for itself, doesn't it? That one who despises their father's instruction, and the implication here is, of course, instruction that's going to help him. And one who does that in life here, you see, when there's a child, a teenager that's in rebellion and doesn't want to listen to their parents, doesn't want to be listening to anyone, don't tell me what to do. And they don't like authority. You can almost guarantee that they're going to have a difficult time in life if they don't repent from that. And the other thing that will happen is if they're not listening to, you know, the authority of their father, their mom, their parents, giving them godly, you know, instruction and advice, then that's going to affect their relationship with the Lord. Because chances are they're not going to listen to a heavenly father that's desiring to bring instruction to them. So we need to talk to our kids about that, you know, when they are in disobedience or rebellion or, you know, talk back or whatever that, hey, it's more than just talking back to your parents, but this is going to affect your relationship with your heavenly father. And the one who is, receives correction as prudent is going to be able to do well in life because they're receiving that instruction. And in verse 6, at the house of the righteous, there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. A, a godly home is so valuable. It is so valuable. There are many homes that there's trouble and difficulty. Troubles in many homes today. And in your home, whether you live in an apartment or a townhouse or you have a home of your own, that as you have the priority of the Lord there and you speak of the things of the Lord and, and the Lord is, is valued and spoke of and, and honored in your home, that is going to be good. It's It's valuable. It's such a treasure because the Lord is there that's going to bless. In verse 7, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge and the heart of the fool does not do so. So again, the wise will give knowledge and truth. And we have opportunity to disperse truth and knowledge that the world needs. You that are here and you that have been coming as we've been going through the scriptures, you know the scriptures. And I'm not saying this in a boastful way. But as we go through the scriptures, chapter by chapter and verse by verse and book after book, that a lot of you, as you've been coming here over the weeks and months and years, you know a lot more of the scriptures than most people do. And you have opportunity to be able to share with them truth and disperse that truth at work or other family members or, again, at school, whatever it might be for you, that truth to others to be able to minister to them in a very powerful way. And the Lord is looking for those who have the knowledge of the word of God to be able to disperse it out to others. You know the gospel, so you know a whole lot about the Bible than most people. You know the gospel message that most people don't know. And I pray that, again, as we just talked about doing outreach, that we would have a heart to disperse that in a very simple way, but very powerful way. In a very powerful way.
That's one of the reasons why, again, as we're reaching out and praying about that, I, I love it when a couple years ago when, when Heather and Angie, you know, we got excited about, let's do VBS out in the park. Let's get outside these four walls. And it just kind of started the snowball to where, you know, now we have people and young people are going up on campus to witness, young people going out in the mission field, doing outreaches. And we don't know always what to expect, as I mentioned to you, but we're just trusting in the Lord. And we're just going to expect that the Lord, you're going to work somehow, some way. We want to disperse knowledge, a radio program, as we are also one of the things that we're doing is we want to do some more things with media. Listen, for those of us who are older, media is really important to the younger people. No one anymore looks up, you know, information for a church in the phone book anymore. When was the last time that you used a phone book? Some of you are saying, what is a phone book? <laughs> and that's just the way it is. And our young people are very media-oriented. And so we want to be able to use that as a tool. Why should we just give it up to Satan to use it to, to draw kids into that which is sinful and wrong? We want to go into that, and we want to be able to where you can download teachings. We have apps for your smartphones that you can uh, you know, download our app at Calvary Chapel Greeley, and you can listen to the teachings live stream, but it doesn't end just there. We are so blessed to have Travis here that is really knowledgeable on all that stuff, I wouldn't know where to begin. So we can broadcast live from Calvary Live. I can do it here from my office. We can, you know, he spends hours in editing the radio program that it goes out. It doesn't just happen. I I feel bad for Travis because he has to listen to me and then listen to me again when he's editing the programs. I I think he's be so sick of my voice. Um, but he does that. And in the web page and getting that, we want to get another web page of Under the Fig Tree Media to where we're putting all that, the radio programs you can listen to, the teachings, doing little um, devos, videos like this that we can put on, uh, all these things because our young people use that. That's what they're on. And we have opportunity to reach them. So one of the tools to be able to disperse the knowledge of of the Word of God, we want to use those tools. And I appreciate your support in that because you're investing in the kingdom of God. Let's go after them. Do you realize on Wednesday nights that the bars down there in, in Garden City, it is in that area, they have special for young teenagers or not teenagers, for young college kids to be able to come and, and be able to drink. You can talk to professors up at UNC. They will tell you that Thursday morning that there's difficulty in some of their classrooms, the older upperclassmen coming because of all the bars that are open and offer specials and all of this. Why should we just give them up to them? Let's go after them. Let's pray for them and pray for this city. And let's use the tools that God gives to us to be able to reach them. Let's go up on campus and minister to them. And, and some are doing that. It's like, I don't know what to expect. And, and just let the Lord work. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, he, he um, is, you know, the, going to just only use the ones that are trained. He, listen, he trains the ones that he uses. 
and he calls. And he's going to train you as you grow in the word of God. And he's going to use you because it's the work of the spirit. It's not a work of the flesh. And as we have that heart to reach out to a lost and dying world, whether it's young people or the elderly in the nursing homes or your neighborhood or whatever it might be, you're going to see God working. Disperse that knowledge. Use those tools. You know, be able to, to um, hear from the Lord, um, to reach out to somebody when he's prompting you to do that. And the sacrifices of Verse 8, the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who follows righteousness. You know, Isaiah chapter 1, the God said to the house of Judah that I'm tired of your sacrifices, your empty sacrifices, because they were in a place of disobedience and not honoring the Lord. They were full of idol worship and false worship that was involved in their sacrifices. The Lord said, I'm tired of it. You remember that Saul? When the Lord rejected him and Saul was told, go, you know, the battle against all the Amalekites and just wipe them out. And he brings back the king of the Amalekites and he brings back to the oxen and the sheep for sacrifice. He was told not to do that. And it was... Samuel that said to him, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. We know that David, when he writes that psalm in Psalm 51, he writes about that you don't delight in sacrifices and in burnt offerings. You know, as Christians, we're very blessed that we can go to the Lord and we have forgiveness. And if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, don't we? 1 John 1, 9. But I pray that we don't live our life to where, oh, I'm just going to go out and sin and then I'm going to First John 1, 9 it. That we would have a desire to walk in obedience. That, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice for you. And I want to walk in your ways and, and I want to know you. And I want to please you with my life. And then when we do sin and, and, and we fall short, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God for his grace and his mercy and his provision of forgiveness. But we want to live for him. And we want to be ones that, Lord, I want to walk in obedience. He's called us to walk in obedience. It isn't sloppy agape but a life that is desiring to walk with you, Lord. And in verse 10, harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Remember that in chapter 13, that we read that the way of transgressor is hard. You walk in disobedience, and you will have a hard life. Not because Pastor Jeff said so, because the word of God says so. And you'll just begin to die. Your closeness, your intimacy with the Lord will just begin to die. In your soul and in your spirit, it just begins to die if you walk in disobedience. And you will have a hard life. And you'll miss out on what the Lord has for you, the abundant life that he desires for us to experience, to live life the way it's meant to be lived. And hell and destruction are before the Lord, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men. As I mentioned to you, everything is open and naked before the Lord, and so are our hearts. He knows our hearts. 
And a scoffer in verse 12 does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. So it's so true, isn't it? That the scoffer will despise the one who's trying to bring them correction. And I've been on that end. I've been on the end of of trying to bring correction out of God's word and for concern for them. And they scoff and they end up, you know, being angry and upset. And perhaps you have experienced that as well. I think probably most of you have. There was a man named Achan in the book of Joshua. Some of you remember him. And Achan, he was one that was there when they went into the promised land. Joshua had taken them in finally after 40 years or, uh, you know, making laps around Mount Sinai. And they go in and their first battle is against Jericho. And remember the Lord told them that, hey, when you take the spoils, the first fruits are mine. So they belong to me. And then also don't take any of the idols or the accursed things. Don't be taking those. And if you do, the, the house of Israel, the camp of Israel is going to be troubled. So they have the great victory against Jericho. The next battle, as you go into the book of Joshua, is Ai. Ai means small. Just a little, little town, little village. And Joshua sends a few guys up there. And they ended up running for their lives. They were defeated. And, and Joshua is crying out to the Lord, Lord, you know, why did you bring us into the promised land to be defeated? And, and we couldn't even defeat little Ai. And the Lord said, Joshua, quit your whimpering. There's sin in the camp. So Joshua calls the children of Israel together. They end up singling out a certain tribe, a certain family, and an individual Achan. And Achan was one that had taken a Babylonian garment in that defeat against Jericho. He stole a Babylonian garment. He stole a few other things. He, he didn't tell anybody about it. He hid it, and he was found out. And so they took him out, and they stoned him. They took his family out, all that he had. And it says that it stoned them. And there's a debate among scholars. Was his children stoned or just his possessions taken away and his livestock was stoned? Uh, we don't know for sure, but he troubled his household for a Babylonian garment. You know what's, you know, when you really think about it, it wasn't like he could wear that Babylonian garment anywhere around the camp of Israel. Where did you get that? Um, mail order, I don't know. Because he was greedy. And because he didn't want correction. It's because he was one, as verse 12 says, didn't want that correction. And so he ended up troubling his household. I pray that we wouldn't be ones that were a scoffer because somebody's bringing correction to us. I think about Ahab in 1 Kings chapter 22. And Ahab, he was the king of Israel. Remember Ahab, a terrible king, and his wife Jezebel? Well, they're going to go to war in 1 Kings chapter 22 against Syria. And Jehoshaphat, the godly king of Judah, comes up with, you know, to see Ahab. And, and Ahab says, Jehoshaphat, why don't you join us in this battle? And Jehoshaphat says, well, do you have a prophet that can give us a word from the Lord. And so here's Ahab. He has these 400 guys that are being all dramatic and, and you know, 
kind of being loud and throwing dirt in the air and saying, go ahead and gore the Syrians and you're going to do great Ahab and you're a wonderful guy. And Jehoshaphat had even some discernment at that time. And he says, I don't know about these 400 guys. Do you got really somebody who is a prophet of Jehovah? And he says, well, Ahab says, he has this guy, Micaiah. And Micaiah, he never says anything good about me. Well, bring him here. So Micaiah, speak of the word of the Lord. What's going to happen? Micaiah says, okay, you guys are going to get your clocks cleaned. And Ahab, you're a dead man. And Ahab says, see, he never says anything good about me. And they persecuted him. May we always realize that the word of God is given to us and is profitable for us as 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says. It's for our benefit and for our good. And I hope that we never get to the point where we scoff at God's word. And perhaps you've talked with somebody, I know that I have, talking with them and, and you know, giving them God's word. Well, I don't know about that. I don't think that'll work for me. I'm going to go another direction. And there's so many voices that, that are mingled in the church today that a lot of people don't have discernment what really is truth or not. A lot of psychology, a lot of humanism, a lot of philosophy and all this. The Word of God is our final authority. And that's why we study the Word of God so carefully here. Because it is truth for you and how you are to live your life. And never scoff at the Word of God given to you and, and someone coming and bringing that correction. And in verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. They say that the face is the projection screen of your soul your countenance. And can't you tell family members or those at work when they're really down? You can tell by the countenance of their face, can't you? And what I hope and pray for all of us is that we would be sensitive to people as they come in. You can tell when they've had a good day, just their countenance and their smile. And, and you can also tell when somebody's really hurting. May we pay attention. And we can really minister to others when we see their countenance, that they're down and they've got watery eyes and they're tearful and, and they are hurting. To be able to go to them and say, you know what? I think you're hurting. Are you okay? Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? So may we be sensitive to the one as we see a person's countenance. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And the heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, verse 14, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. The fool will feed on foolish things. The wise is going to feed on the word of God and on truth. In verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil, but he who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. Having joy in our hearts and gladness of heart will affect the attitude that we have in life. Remember when we went through Psalms and one of the things, the themes that we saw over and over again was to praise the Lord because Psalms is a book of praise. And as we praise the Lord, we praise out of thanksgiving and they will bring joy into our hearts. All three are linked together. I want to be the first one to wish all of you guys a Merry Christmas because it's less than three months away. 
And we are getting closer to the holiday seasons. In a few weeks, we're going to be thinking about it. It's that season where we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving and, you know, peace on earth and joy to all men. And for us, we have reason to have joy, that joy unspeakable, even in difficult times, because we have the Lord. And all of us have a reason to be thankful, even in the trials that you find yourself in, even though you may be hurting, because we have Jesus, we have his word. And Paul, when he was in prison, writing to the Philippian believers, not knowing if he was going to be put to death, as he's in Rome, chained to a Roman guard, he says, rejoice again, I say, always rejoice. And as we rejoice in the Lord, there's going to be a joy unspeakable in our hearts. And we always have a reason to be thankful. Listen, may we never lose that thankfulness and praise in the Lord. And I know that we can go through some very difficult times where it's hard to praise the Lord. But we learn from David in his dark hour as he would cry out to the Lord that he would then begin to praise the Lord. And he would give thanks to the Lord. And that, that joy, unspeakable, deep down in his heart would be there. And I hope that we would remember that. In the trials and losses and difficulties, that, Lord, I can be thankful in all things. I'm glad Paul didn't write, be thankful for all things. But I'm thankful in all things. Because, Lord, you love me. And Jesus, you proved your love for me as you went to the cross. And that's why we're going to come to the communion table here in just a minute to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. That he allowed his body to be broken and his blood shed for the forgiveness of sin. And that we belong to that new covenant. And one day all of this is going to be behind us and we're going to go to heaven. And we're going to be a part of his eternal kingdom so keep your eyes on the things above, not on the things of this world. And we can have joy because of that. And that's why Paul was saying, rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. I don't know what's going to happen to me, Philippian believers, but for me to die is gain, to live is Christ. And you keep living for him because his promises are true and he promises he'll never leave you or forsake you. And somehow, some way, that what it is that you're going through that he's going to work in your life. And oftentimes in those trials and difficulties, that there's a beauty and a glory of the Lord that comes through you. And Paul would write about that in 2 Corinthians as he says we're downcast, but we're, we're not out. And, and the, the trials that we go through is for a further glory of the Lord that is going to be in you, earthen vessel. You, earthen vessel, that the glory may not be of men, but of Christ. And the glory of the Lord growing you and being sh shining through you as people see that you have thankfulness and joy and you're still praising the Lord because he hasn't left me. Do you still believe that God is love? Oh yeah, I believe he's love because he's never left me. And he's true to me. And I know that he is going to work in my life. And you're going to see that God's going to use it somehow in some way. We may not fully understand it, 
But Lord, I can turn to you and rest in you in everything that you're doing. And one day we're all going to be together and we're going to say, righteous and true are your judgments, O Lord. Righteous and true are your decisions. Right on. And we're going to glorify him and give thanks to him in everything. And we are going to be with him for all eternity. For those of you who are hurting tonight, as we go to the communion table, remember that he died for you, allowing his body to be broken and bloodshed. All of us, may we remember that. And know that he's still working in your life. And he promises to work all things for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Father, we thank you so much for these few verses that we went over. And, and Lord, I pray that it would be encouragement to all of us of your love and faithfulness to us. And Father, I pray that we would be ones that right now as we just come to the communion table and they're handed out, it wouldn't be just an exercise or a ritual for us, but as we hold the elements, that it's a time of worship and being thankful that Jesus came to give us hope, the only hope that there really is, that he came that we might be saved. So, Father, I thank you I thank you that we can be here tonight. And I also want to pray if there is anyone that's here or out in a coffee shop or listening on live stream, you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You see, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about you trying to be good and earn your way to heaven. You can't do that. Jesus did the work on the cross. He went to the cross to die for our sins because all of us have sinned. That's what the Bible says. And as he hung on that cross, all of our sins were placed upon him. And then he cried out, it is finished. He's done the work. He's paid the price. He was put into a tomb and he rose again after three days. And he's alive. And he loves you. And he is your salvation. There is none other. He is your hope. There is none other. No one else died for you and conquered sin and death by rising from the grave only Jesus Christ he proved that he's the son of God and he came because he loves you and he wants to save you if you've never come in faith and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ we want to give you opportunity right now today is the day of salvation for you to say yes to Jesus and you can pray where you are Jesus I come to you and I ask that you would Forgive me of my sins. I confess that I am a sinner. Forgive me. I believe you died on the cross for me and you rose again. Your life speaking to me. Your word spoke to me. And I ask that you be my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you for your forgiveness and this new beginning. And help me to live for you and to know you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. If anybody made that decision, when we conclude the service, I want you to come up and tell me and talk with me. I want to pray with you and encourage you and got some things to give you. But for all of us right now, as we hold the communion elements and then we're going to partake of them together, it may be a time of just once again being thankful and at awe of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us in this new covenant that we belong to. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 